following podcast is brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome to Confessing the Faith, a theological and devotional walk through the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. I am your host, Sam Aldrin, one of the pastors of Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky, president and professor of systematic theology here at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, we will once more be considering the subject of God's decree as it's described in chapter 3 of the Confession. Last time, we examined the astonishing and life-changing affirmation of the Confession that God has unchangeably and freely and eternally decreed whatsoever comes to pass. We also examined the biblical basis for this massive assertion. But questions are raised by this doctrine of the universality of God's eternal decree. And the framers of the confession anticipated these questions and addressed them in the following words of paragraph one. Those words are, Yet so as thereby is God neither the author of sin, nor hath fellowship with any therein, nor is violence offered to the will of the creature, nor yet is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. Now, several pressing questions are addressed in these words. And the first one is this. Does this doctrine of God's decree of all things make God the author of sin? The confession flatly and clearly asserts that it does not. Though sin is, of course, included in God's decree, God is not the author of sin. In the decree of God, it is creatures, angels and men, that author or commit sin. The Bible makes clear that God's motives in decreeing sin are entirely different than those of the creatures who commit or author sin. He decrees sin to happen for his own glory. They commit it to deny his glory. He decrees sin in order to use it to redeem his people. In the case of Joseph, we are told that the sin of his brothers was overruled for good. Genesis 15, 50, 20 should be familiar. And it says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. God also decreed the death of Jesus by the hands of sinful men. See Acts 2 and Acts 4. But this was for the sake, again, of the redemption of men from sin. Sometimes also, however, he decrees sin as a just punishment for previous sin. David numbered Israel because of God's decree to punish Israel and David for sin. Compare 2 Samuel 24.1, 1 Chronicles 21.1. The sons of Eli refused to repent. That was sin because God had decreed to put them to death for their sins, 1 Samuel 2.25. Yes, there remains a deep mystery in regard to God's decree of sin, but the Bible plainly teaches that he is not the author of sin. James 1.13 is the key text. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But then the confession addresses a second question relating to the universality of God's decree. 
It's this. Does this not destroy the liberty, responsibility, and significance of the wills of men and angels? Isn't this a kind of fatalism or determinism? The confession denies that the doctrine of the decree destroys the liberty, contingency, or responsibility of men, and in fact affirms that it is the very doctrine of God's decree that establishes these things and gives them significance. It says, nor is violence offered to the will of the creature, nor yet is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. Obviously, the confession is not working with the same definition of free will that most people assume. Free will is not the ability to act contrary to God's decree. Free will is not the ability to act contrary to one's nature. Free will is simply the ability to will whatever one wants and act on that will to accomplish that want and do so without external constraints. When someone wills what he wants, he is at liberty. He is responsible. And his will is significant. Creaturely, will actually accomplishes things and does so freely and responsibly. And all of this is asserted many places in Scripture. Consider Matthew 17, 12. But I say to you that Elijah already came, and they did not recognize him, but they did to him whatever they wished. Whatever they wish. There was their freedom. There was their liberty, there was their responsibility, and there was the significance of their wills. And the gospel goes on to say, also, so also, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. What should we think of all this? How should we respond to this doctrine of God's universal decree? Well, the confession concludes paragraph one by telling us, it says, quote, in which, he appear, which appears his wisdom in disposing all things and power and faithfulness in accomplishing his decree. God was wise to order and in ordering all things by his decree. And if we wait on him, wait on the development of his plan, we will see it. God's power is displayed in this mighty plan. We should worship his majesty. God's faithfulness to us. God's faithfulness to his people and to himself is also revealed in the accomplishment of his decree. Job 23.13 says it very well, but he is unique or one or of one mind and who can turn him and what his soul desires that he does. His soul desires our good and his glory and nothing, absolutely nothing, shall deter him in the accomplishment of his eternal good pleasure. Thank you for listening to Confessing the Faith on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more about how you can partner with us in providing informed scholarship with pastoral heart, visit cbtseminary.org.